Okay, let's turn in our Bibles then uh, again to Galatians chapter 5. And we are looking at the power of holiness. Uh, that theme goes from verse 16 to verse 25. And last Lord's Day we started at verse 16. And um, I want to begin with a quote by Schofield that we mentioned last time. And uh, Schofield says, The problem of suffering, and this is regards to verse 16, he says, The problem of the Christian life is based on the fact that so long as the Christian lives in this world, he is, so to speak, two trees. The old tree of the flesh and the new tree of the divine nature implanted by the new birth. And the problem itself is how to keep barren the old tree and make fruitful the new tree. The problem is solved by walking in the spirit. End of quote. Look at verse 17. Someone read that verse please. The old sinful nature Okay, so the spirit and the flesh are in a constant conflict. They're constantly fighting each other. Now, God could have removed this fleshy nature from the believers' lives at the time of conversion, but he didn't choose to do so. And sometimes we wonder why. Why didn't God remove this old sinful nature that was going to continue to plague us and challenge his new spirit that he has given us? Why didn't he eliminate the competition, as it were? Well, he wanted to keep us continually reminded of our own weakness. And as long as this battle is going on, we're going to be reminded over and over again that we are weak. And uh, we are to be continually dependent on Christ. Now imagine what would have happened if he had removed the fleshy nature. There would be many who would become arrogant because they would have thought that the strength and the power that they were exhibiting was that of themselves and not dependent, being dependent on God. And so God gave us His Holy Spirit to indwell us, to occupy us, to make us mindful of His presence, keep us always aware that there's a battle going on and we can never take credit for anything. And so God's Spirit and our flesh are continuously at war, constantly fighting. And it will continue to be so until Jesus takes us home out of this world. And so you got to live with it. Endure it. The believer's part in the conflict is what? What is our role in the conflict? What are we supposed to do in this battle? Yield to the Spirit of God. That's our role. Yield to the Spirit of God. Give Him the opportunity to do what God desires to be done. In other words, allow God's will to be done. Now, isn't that the reason why we're here anyway? 
to accomplish God's will. What does the scripture say? In everything that you do, we are to do it to what? To the honor and glory of God. And so we are to do all that we are doing in order that God might be glorified. Uh, but sometimes we eliminate yielding the spirit, yielding to the spirit from that equation. And we think that it's all about us. What we are capable of doing on our own without the Spirit's help, guidance. Remember, He's the one called alongside to help. And sometimes He's just standing there and not being called upon to help when that's what He's there for. Imagine uh, someone in trouble and you go to help. And you're the only one who could possibly give them the kind of help that they need, but they're not asking for that help. They're struggling and they're, 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 they're suffering and they're going through all kinds of stuff. And they know you can help them. They know that you have the capacity to help. Now how would you feel? How would you feel? Would that make you feel good? Well just imagine how the Holy Spirit feels. He's there to help us. He has the power, the capacity, the, the experience. Oh boy, talk about experience. He's got all the experience in the world. But you know what? We would go to individuals instead of calling upon the Holy Spirit and seek their help. And the Holy Spirit says, Son, what about me? What about me? He's there to help. Yielding to the Holy Spirit is what we have been challenged to do and will continually be challenged to do as this battle rages on. And uh, believe it or not, the battle is not going to get any easier. Because the closer we come to the, Lord, to the coming of the Lord Jesus Christ, the devil is going to turn up the heat. So you think it's hot now? Yeah. Verse 18. But if you, ye be led of the Spirit, ye are not under the law. If you are led or directed by the Spirit, you are not what? Under the law. You are not obligated to the law of Moses. Which is what the Galatian believers felt that they were. And so those, under the, those who are led by the Spirit are not obligated to keep the law, to abide by the law, or to oblige the law. Now, this verse could be understood in, in basically two ways. Led by the Spirit is a description of all Christians. All Christians are to be described as being led by the Spirit. And that's the Spirit of God, not the other stuff. Because there are a lot of people who are led by that other stuff. <laughs> Therefore, no Christian under the law, no Christians are under the law. They are not depending on self-effort, even though there are many people who are depending on self-effort. It is the spirit who is resisting the emotions of evil within them, not they themselves. Now we need to remember that. Because when we find ourselves resisting those evil intents, those evil desires, those evil motives, when we find ourselves resisting them, sometimes we tend to take credit for it. But we need to be reminded that it's the Holy Spirit who is living within us, who is giving us the desire to resist. Sometimes we, we almost want to broke our hand trying to pat ourselves on the back because we resisted that temptation, resisted this thing. And we don't give the Spirit of God the credit He deserves. And that truly, rightfully belongs to Him. And so we need to be mindful of that. Also, to be led by the Spirit means to be lifted above the flesh. And to be occupied with the Lord. 
when a person is occupied with the Lord, he's not thinking about the law of the flesh. That is the furthest thing from his mind. The Spirit of God does not lead people to look to the law as a means of justification like the Galatians were doing. And that's why Paul could tell them that they were in error, they were wrong, they were barking up the wrong tree. Instead, the Holy Spirit points them to the risen Christ as the only ground of acceptance before God. Now how do we apply verses 16 through 18 to our present daily experiences? How does that come into play? It's more like second by second. That's right. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's mm -hmm. one of the Why we don't get victory over this, we need to spend more time. Let me focus more on the word, the challenges to come into it. Okay. But a lot of times, you know, he's present. Two or three minutes, we've got to leave the thousand that, you know, but the more we focus on the Lord, it ain't a time, you know, it's there, the challenges are there. But the, the Spirit gives us the ability to, to overcome. He gives us the strength to endure. Mm -hmm. But he said it'll be long Okay, he gives us the strength to endure. But we need to be reminded that there is suffering. There is suffering. Well, nobody wants to suffer, right? Anybody here welcome suffering? No. But it's part and parcel of what we are to, what we are to experience in this life. And so we need to look at it as a friend and not as an enemy. And so if you desire to have the qualities listed in Galatians 5:22 through 23, then you know that the spirit is leading you. If you desire, what are those what are those what are those those qualities? Okay, so if you desire, and that is a gen if you have a genuine desire to have those qualities, then you know that the Holy Spirit is leading you. But if you find yourself faltering and tripping over some of those qualities, then you need to check yourself. Because you're not truly walking according to the Spirit's leading. At the same time, we must be careful not to confuse our prejudicial feelings with the Spirit's leading. Because sometimes we can be prejudiced in how we feel and how we conduct ourselves. And we, 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 we say that it's the Spirit's leading. And it's not always the case. Being led by the Spirit involves three things that we need to remember. Three things that we need to be conscious of every millisecond that we are moving and working in this world. One is the desire to hear. The desire to hear what God the Holy Spirit is saying. Many times we don't want, we don't desire to hear what God is saying because we know what he's going to say. And we know we don't want to do what he's going to say. And so we must have that desire to hear. That's the first thing that involves uh, being led by the Spirit. The second thing is the readiness to obey God's word, as Sister Brenda just mentioned, the readiness, willingness 
the desire, the enthusiasm to obey what the Word of God says. You know, a lot of times we know what God's Word says, but we ain't too gung-ho about doing what the Word says, because we know that there are some implications and some things that's going to happen that we don't really want to happen in our lives because we are we are we have uh, divided allegiances or divided loyalties and uh, we know that to obey God's word the way God intended is going to mean that we're going to have to give up some stuff that we want to give up and so one of the three things involved in being led by the Holy Spirit is the readiness to obey God's word we must be able to say or consciously be thinking in our minds uh, Lord when you say jump all I'll say is how high that's what we are that's how we ought to be thinking readiness to obey God's word not boy Lord I hope you don't, you won't say that because I yeah, yeah, yeah. I won't do that yeah, go ahead we have to also arm ourselves with the right scripture to keep the reading. Now, I said, because I have enough Bible right now, because on the next day, the book we are reading, he comes to the end of the book, and this chapter is a tremendous life. And from Benedictine, I keep giving you that because I really want. You know, he was our attorney, he's very good. Mm, yes, he yes. He struggled with blessings and mm. all the things, you know. And that really, that really challenged me. And I, I, years ago, I heard a poem. And I heard that, I always think of that, and it, and it keeps bubbling back to me. And it, all to be saved from myself, everyone. All to be lost in me. All, all to be lost in me. All that is in me, nor I, the Christ that lives in me. Christ, only Christ, no idle words for it. Christ, only Christ, And I, that's my desire. And I keep asking the Lord from, you know, ever so often it comes to me. And I keep saying, Lord, what is this stopping you from being fully surrendered? Because I can tell you, everyone in here would say, see me, I want to be fully surrendered to God. But it's something. And I just say, like, we need to be here. People like you, like mine, you know, because everybody wants that. You know, you could go to someone and they encourage you in the Lord, and then another one encourage you in the flesh. So, mm -hmm. anyhow. Well, remember last time we said our biggest enemy is what? The flesh. Yeah. Self. Remember what Martin Luther said? He fears self more than all the cardinals in Rome. Self. Itself. That's our biggest enemy. A lot of times we don't obey God's word because we're selfish. We want to do our own thing and we want to do it our way and we don't want nobody to tell us nothing. N-U-T-D-I-N. Nothing. <laughs> nobody. Don't Even God. Don't tell me nothing. I don't want to hear it. That's self. And we need to be mindful of self. Okay? You could blame the devil for a whole lot of stuff. But it's self that we need to conquer. Because self is the one that is fed by the flesh, the desires of that old nature. He's a good companion of self. And we need to we need to get rid of him. And so true companionship is one of the key. 
uh, to being led by the Spirit, being controlled by the Spirit, and, uh, and obeying God's Word. The third thing is the sensitivity to discern between your feelings and the promptings of the Holy Spirit. The sensitivity to discern between your feelings and the, the feelings, the promptings of the Holy Spirit. There are a lot of times when the Holy Spirit is prompting us to do certain things in accordance with the Word of God and instead we are going by how we feel. We are going by our feelings. And so we need to be able to be sensitive uh, to the point where we are able to discern that. And so when we live each day, that is each and every single day, each and every millisecond of every day, controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit, three things are gonna, is going to happen. One, the words of Christ will be in your mind, always, and so whenever flesh raises its ugly head, whenever the desires of the flesh come up, the word of Christ is going to conquer it. Remember how Jesus dealt with Satan in the wilderness? How? It is written. The words of Christ in our hearts. The Bible tells us that we have to let the word of Christ dwell richly in our hearts. At all times. And so if we let the word of God continuously be on our minds, we will be able to conquer, or be able to be controlled and guided by the Holy Spirit. The second thing is, the love of Christ will always be behind every action that we do. The love of Christ. There will be no, there will be no place for prejudice to step in. Or favoritism. The love of Christ will control every single thing that we do. That's how Jesus lived. The love of God is what allowed him or caused him to do everything that he did. Regardless of how unfavorable he became to those around him. And even if some of his own disciples questioned some of the things that he did. And then thirdly, the power of Christ will help us control our selfish desires. The power of Christ. And that's what Paul is dealing with here in this theme of holiness. The power of holiness. Christ will help us to control those selfish desires. But he cannot help us to do anything that we won't accept the help for. And so we've got to be willing to accept the help that God the Holy Spirit is providing in order for that help to be beneficial to us. Verse 19. Now the works of the flesh are manifest. Go to verse 21. Okay. Now the works of the flesh are manifest, which are these, adultery, fornication, uncleanness, lavishness, idolatry, witchcraft, hatred, variance, emulations, wrath, strife, seditions, heresies, envying, murderous, drunkenness, revelings, and such like, of the which I tell you before, as I have also told you in time past, that they which do such things shall not inherit the kingdom of God. Okay, now as you mentioned before, the law appeals to the energy of the flesh. So what kinds of works does fallen human nature really produce? Now there's, there's no difficulty in, a, in identifying the works of the flesh as Paul gives us here. 
He says they are evident for all of us to see. You can't miss them. Okay, it's like black and white. You just can't miss them. And so let's go through that list and look at what they mean. Because sometimes we read this list and we say, oh yeah, boy, there's some bad things. We shouldn't be doing them things. But we do not single these things out and identify them one at a time and determine what they really mean and how they, how they impact our lives on a daily basis when we are not conscious of them. Okay, adultery. Of course, we know uh, that that's unfaithfulness in marriage and relationship, right? Fornication. Unlawful sexual intercourse. Okay, we know that. Those two are clear to us, right? Uncleanness. That's moral evil. Sensuality is another way to describe it. And uh, we, know what, we know what morality is and we know what evil is, right? So when you put those two together, you'd be able to, to, to quickly be able to identify what moral evil is. Idolatry is not only the worship of idols, but also the immorality that accompanies demon worship. And there are a lot of people who are involved in demon worship and don't even realize it. They are committing idolatry on a consistent basis and they don't work they don't realize it sorcery is witchcraft in other words in, 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 in other words the Greek word being related to drugs uh, pharmakia is where we get that word pharmacy from because drugs are used in sorcery the word came to mean intercourse with evil spirits 